Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay, we're here. I'll show you. Dude, this is a national ballpark museum. They've got displays about all the great old ballparks, not old ball players. And I do mean old. Hey, that's not what I heard. I heard they got a display that features the first homegrown color Rocky. That would be me. Okay, look, there's Bruce Hellerstein over there. He owns the place. Let's go ask him. Hey, that's fine with me. Hi, Bruce. How's it going? Manny, Mark, good to see you guys. Come on in. Hey, Bruce, Manny here doesn't believe me. He doesn't believe you've got a Mark Knudsen display here at your museum. Well, he's sort of right. Right over here, we've got a display all about the Denver Zephyrs. I'm pretty sure Mark's Zephyrs baseball card is in there somewhere. Oh, his minor league card. I got you. Hey, it's something, right? If you say so. So, you two just come down here to see the displays? Actually, we're getting ready to do our podcast. Oh, wow. That's great. I had no idea they let you back on the air, Mark. What's your show called? It's the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. Give me a Knudsen. Knudsen! Thank you. The first road trip went much as expected, and now it's time for opening day Coors Field style. Did we learn anything from the start on the West Coast? Who might be a hero at 20th and Blake this week? Break out your thesaurus. We're joined by our favorite and yours, Thomas Harding of MLB.com, to discuss what fans should expect from this year's Rockies, who might be a swap transfer candidate, who can't get stricken, and how to deal with knocks and niggles. More of Thomas is always a good thing, and it's coming up next on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Stay tuned. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. Opening day has arrived, Manny. Coors Field will be uh, hopping this weekend. Washington Nationals come to town. The opening series, opening road trip, kind of what we expected. They have a chance to win anytime Marcus and Freeland take the mound. Not so much. The net went three, four, and five. That's how it played out. A two and five, two and three road trip. Not terrible, but kind of indicative of the way the season's going to go, don't you think? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think it's um, you know, it's indicative of how the season's going to go. They 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 have uh, they're going to have these flashes where they show. Um, some good things, especially with the younger guys. And then they're going to have games where what we're kind of used to seeing. So yeah. on the podcast, we have the great and the well, one and only. only, the inimitable Thomas Harding of MLB.com on the podcast today to discuss opening week and, and on the 30th anniversary, by yes. the way, of the first ever Colorado Rockies regular season game, April 5th, 1993 at Shea Stadium. The Rockies yeah. uh, faced Doc Gooden and the New York Mets. So welcome, Thomas welcome thanks for having me guys all right we're ready we're ready for a new season i guess ready, for, uh, ready to win a, ready, we're ready, to, ready to win a championship to, as the media anyway that's yes, right well. that's right you know that 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 first road trip i think you guys were right i i will say that um austin gomber pitched well enough to win in the game in san diego but um the thing that was i would say concerning except we expected it was that that game against the dodgers or last night they had a chance to win that thing, mm -hmm. especially getting bases loaded, nobody out, meat of the order coming up and not scoring a run. I mean, um, on the road, you've got to you've got to take advantage of those opportunities. I think that game was winnable. Marcus gave up some home runs, but otherwise pitched pretty well. If they're able to score, then they've got a chance to win it. But it, you, it was you, the same the night before too. You give up four runs. You give up four runs, but you have the bases loaded and nobody out. One inning, you put on two on, and 
Yes. Uh, and 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 one out in the ninth. I think that's what it was. And yeah, absolutely. You have a chance to win it. And honestly, giving up four runs to the Dodgers in a start, I mean, it's not what you expect from Marcus, but at the same time, it's also, or that's not what you want from Marcus, but at the same time, that's not bad. Well, not historically, bad. he's historically he's pitched pretty well against the Dodgers, especially at yeah. Dodger Stadium. So they need superhuman efforts out of he and Freeland if they're going to win those kinds of games. Well, or they just need um, a professional, uh, no, normal expected major league effort out of their lineup. And not only yeah. that, um, you know, Fair. last night, they had what uh, two guys on, and you know, Crone after the Player of the Week, he's kind of falling into a slump. He pops out at that point. I mean, they had opportunities to score runs, and you cannot, as much as they have to, you cannot win every game two to one on the road. What did you see yeah. from Marcus? Because that's the, I think that's the biggest thing takeaway. Because the, the, the lineups is the lineup is going to go through ebbs and flows like every lineup, but because it's this lineup and and not exactly um uh, you know one of the better lineups in in the game then and with a lot of young players it's going to go through more flows than or whatever you want to get ebbs than flows but what about marcus because i think like like mark alluded to this is going to marcus and freeland getting things going is going to be so key for them this year that uh in, in terms of whether they're going to be competitive at all uh for a while or not so what happened last night because um you know he had he he looked great, you know, in the spring, and then he looked great in the first uh, couple of starts that he made, or the first start that he made this year. What was it last night that was that was he? I mean, he again location because if you get about home runs, usually it's mislocation or you leave a ball over the plate. Um, what's what? What did you see from him? It was exactly that, just you know, some mislocations. And he's a guy who likes to live in the strike zone. And when you live in the strike zone, um, every now and then, if you don't hit the exact location, you're going to give up some home runs. I don't see the same trouble spots that we saw last year where the fastball was consistently flat um, and the, and the location was a little bit off where, you know, he would, he would really miss. I think that the, um, the four seamer and the sinker, they're pretty good pitches. He just made some mistakes last night, but I mean, um, you know, after, after last year, the way that he struggled, especially early, you kind of wondered, hey, does he still have it almost, you know, because of the cumulative effect of um, pitching at course. But I think the work he's done on his uh, on his two seamer, on his slider, I mean, this guy could have an immediate renaissance and just go through lineups, you know, throughout the throughout the season. The question, I, I, I think I think that I think the controversy here is that um, controversy. that that that, you know, Mark is is. Uh, you know, the renaissance is what you, you hope for. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think, oh, again, the, the, contro the controversy comes in, in, the, controversy. in the sense of, look, you've got uh, a pitcher who has been, you know, he, when he's on, he's 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 he can't find let, many let, better let me... than him. And then at the same time, he just it just seems like when you feel like he's back and then he's you know, I think I think Rockies fans are probably kind of frustrated at seeing the inconsistency with this guy. So let me, let me clarify something here real quick. I'm pitching, guys. Uh, you take a block of 10 starts two times. That guy's going to be most guys going to be, especially Marcus is going to be unhittable two times. He ain't going to have much. You're going to get knocked out early eight. There's that block of six starts in the middle where you got to find what's working that day. And, and to over, I think there's this, this overemphasis on location. Location's important, but location is not a, not the size of a quarter. Okay. Location is in quadrants. And when you have stuff with movement on it, you can throw towards the middle of the plate if the ball is going to move one direction. Tom Seaver used to talk about having four different motions, a rising fastball that came in, a sinker that damped down, a, you know, a cutter that went the other direction. you got to have things that that move off the center of the plate. So it's not necessarily just about location. It's, it's is your stuff working the way you want it to. If you're trying to nick corners with everything, you're going to walk a ton of guys. It's just the way it's going to be. 
Yeah, Especially and, and, when nothing's called a strike anyway. If you if you're trying to nick court, you got to throw over. You got to work in the strike zone, Thomas, like you just said. But you want the ball to have movement on it, and that's a stuff issue, not so much as location issue. But yeah, and, and I thought overall the stuff has been really good this yes. year because because of um, the the sinker, the quality is has really improved. The slider, I think, is a pretty good pitch. Mm -hmm. I don't know that he really has it at, um, that down, but you're you're right. You, you're talking about you're six out of ten zone. times where you have to make some pitches to make exactly. a difference. But you go back to last night. You know, he didn't walk people to set up the home right. runs. I that's mean, right. that's one of those where huge. yeah, he that's was huge. able to stay in the game, yep. but his offense didn't come to the yep. game. That's true. That's huge. I, I think um, we'll see that all during <laughs> the year. If he's good, he's living in the strike zone. I yeah. mean, if he's gonna, that's that's. You, I mean, I can't preach that enough that you cannot try to nick corners. You cannot try to get guys to swing and miss. You've got to pitch to contact. But if your stuff's good enough, that'll be weak contact. I know that's, right. that's Manny's big thing, weak contact versus barrels. And he, you want weak contact. And you'll get, you get your share of strikeouts that way, too. Yeah, and, and I thought what he has done with his pitch mix is the right thing because, mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to maintain that rising fastball of yep. course field. It's really hard to maintain that. So you have to be able to move the ball around, hit different parts, uh, hit, hit different parts of the strike zone, and different things to do he's, with it. I think he's always reminded me a little bit of Ubaldo Jimenez. In yeah. that Ubaldo Jimenez had such incredible stuff. He could, I mean, when his fastball was his two seamer was tailing in, he didn't break bats. He exploded them into splinters. Yeah. He he was so good. But he got to the point where he was trying to nick corners all the time. He was trying to pitch carefully. Those six starts you're talking about in the middle. Most of the time he was pitching from behind. He was throwing way too many pitches. His pitch count was high. He never maximized what he could have become with that stuff. And I think Marcus has to conquer that mountain. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason he made that adjustment, which Ubaldo never really made never, an adjustment in, in style did. of pitching. Nope. I thought that Marcus last year, it was too much too soon. Let me yeah. tell you what the – just from talking in, in the industry, and obviously I spent a lot of time with – people from other clubs. Let me tell you what the controversy that could hit the Rockies is this. If Marcus pitches really well and the team plays as expected, there are going to be a lot of offers for him at he's, the deadline. The last year of his deal, right? Last year, last year but there is a club option, option on there also. So right. that's pretty valuable. I mean, if he yep. pitches well and the Rockies are poor, do the Rockies sit back and say, hey, this yep. is this yep. is how we accelerate the rebuilding by trading? That's, a great, that, that, that's a great point. But Manny, that goes point. that goes to what we're going to be talking about later in the year is will they ever pull the trigger on a trade like that because they refuse yeah. to do so over the well, years. Well, I mean, you've got a few people. You've got you've got yep. him. You're going to have CJ Crone. Crone. You're going to yep. have Charlie Bra Charlie Blackman yep. because Charlie Blackman's coming up to the expiration yep. of his contract. Um, yep. I think a lot of it's going to depend on the analytics um, because uh, <laughs> the, the 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 you know it's it's a matter of you know what are they going to see with like because last year CJ Crone. You know the the uh, the analytics uh, look pretty good. I mean, you're always thinking about you know the 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 you know he's he's playing at Coors Field. If you're another another team, he's playing he's hitting at Coors Field for his home games. But then he got hurt. So I think um, this year, you know, CJ started off super hot. I mean, you might you wonder you know if he can carry that through the season. The Rockies are going to be in a pretty good position. And if Blackman does the same, I mean, Blackman actually has you know he's already got a home run on the season. He's he's he coming out of the gate pretty well. Um, so there's gonna it's gonna be a very interesting trade deadline. Yeah, and and, it's yeah, a it's lot of, and, and the young guys too, right? They, they, the young guys they have to feel like the young guys are ready to step in and take those roles. 
Yeah, they do. I mean, and I'm looking at actually the AAA team off to a pretty good start. And I'm not not necessarily talking about the record. I'm talking about guys like Brenton Doyle, Michael Tolia, um, and, and Nolan Jones off to a pretty good start. So you're going to have those guys trying to push their way into it. I mean, when you look at it, um, Crone, I don't know what his value is on the transfer market. I mean, because, you know, he can have these really hot streaks and then some some cold streaks. And what happened last year, he was in a cold streak at the time of, of, of the trade deadline. I mean, you look at from what, June when he was, I, I guess it was early July when he was hit with that pitch in Arizona up to the deadline. It's hard if I'm a, if I'm a team trying to make the playoffs. It's hard for me to make that deal in the trade form because of the way he was hitting at the time. Charlie Blackman, um, I'm, I, I understand that he has the 10 and 5 rights. And I think if there's a chance to go to the playoffs and he's playing well and the team does come up with something, then maybe he does accept it. I mean, swap transfers are always tricky, right? Because, yes. um, you know, you, you have... Uh, a situation where you know the, the teams that usually with respect to the Rockies the teams that are on the other side of the swap transfer transaction that, that, that's a that's a you know they're in a different spot you know they're in a different place they're looking for you know help right away whereas the Rockies are looking for down the road and again it goes back to what Mark said are the rock will the Rockies be aggressive this coming they've, trade deadline because never if been they are sellers yeah because they've if they are sellers. I mean, and it kind of goes also to what's happening tomorrow uh, in the home opener. You got fans coming to to Coors Field tomorrow. You know it's going to be a sellout. It always is. This is a different. This is a diff a dawn of a kind of a new era for the Colorado Rockies. It ought to be anyway. And and you hope that the Rockies find that kind of identity where it's like, look, we're looking for this new identity. We're we're playing the young guys. We know we're not going to be. We're not going to say it out loud, but we know we're, we're where we're going to be probably at the trade deadline, and we're looking to, like you said, Thomas, accelerate the rebuild, which is not. You know, they won't use the R word. We'll call. You know, we, we can we come can. up with a different word for it. But the bottom line is that's what they're doing. So, will they tomorrow? Do, will the fans look back at tomorrow, the ones who attend, and say that was the start of something new for the Rockies after a, a, a time in which they were kind of. Um, you know, lost in the in the wilderness because of uh, you know three or four years after the 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 uh, departure of Story and Arenado and Lemayhu and their their identity was those guys and then they left and then there was nothing and now there's what and that's the question. Well, I think that that question won't be answered at the home opener because you're looking. Oh at no, it won't be answered the home yeah, opener. Right. But I mean, looking back at it, I mean, by right. by the next year or two, are we going to say that was the start of something? I I you think know? when Zach Veen gets here. Um, and, and some of the guys coming up from the minors, I, I'm I'm really interested to see if Michael Tolia, some of the um, so, some of the adjustments he made toward the end of spring, I'm, I'm really interested to see if those hold. I mean, yeah, the the Rockies. I mean, right here, right here, the major league team. It looks like there are a lot of um, there are some placeholders. I mean, Mike Mustakas yes. is on the team right now. Um, CJ Crone, you would you would love Profar. to be able to move. Profar's a placeholder. Yeah, Profar, definitely. I mean, the the whole offseason, <clears throat> the issue was the Rockies needed a player like him, and they had to wait until March to be able to get him on a one-year contract because, as um, Bill Schmidt has basically put out there to all the agents, it's like he didn't want to sign a multi-year deal because he didn't want to block the kids coming up. I mean, it's, it's almost like the Rockies have – Kids coming up from their academies here. When you look yes. at the uh, when you look at the minor league system right now, well, and once the academy kids get here, uh, maybe with some of the guys that are here now, maybe this thing could turn around quickly. That's too why many's, I look at to Manny's point. If they're willing to pull the trigger, 
at the deadline. And they got a lot of guys, not just the ones we mentioned, Profar, Profar Stockus. Those guys are all trade chips at the well, deadline. If the young guys are playing well and the Rockies have the intestinal fortitude to be sellers for the first time and maybe ever. Well, you look at also the look at the bullpen with guys yes, like um, Johnson, Brad Hand. Yep. Those guys Brad are. Yeah. yeah, those yeah. guys, let's face it, they wake up every year believing they're going to be in a pennant race. Even if they sign with the Colorado Rockies, they believe that in one way or another, they're going to get to a pennant race. So, yep. yeah, you, you can, and the thing about it is you don't have to wait three or four years. I think that whatever trades that they do this year, you would like to pick up a solid starter, maybe someone Austin Gomber or better. A triple A guy, yeah. A high yeah, level or, 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 guy, or even or, or even a or guy three. that's just ready to step in and and, yep. and deal with some things. And I know Connor Seabolt yep. was kind of the guy in the offseason, but let's face it, they picked him up for nothing. Imagine what you could pick up for Herman Marquez or so or or or, or, or Jerks and Profar. I'm cur- I'm curious yep. to see what what kind of value within four months um Mustakis can build on the trade market because he uh, he really looked yep. good. I mean, he's changed a lot of things. As you as you've written about Thomas, he's changed the, you know his he, he, when he worked in the off season and he really got in shape and he got and he changed his uh, approach at the plate to kind of what he used to be. He said maybe they can really cash in on a couple of the corner yeah, infield. You know, that's a great box. point, man. Because I was in right, I was out in the right field pavilion, comments that game in Milwaukee, right. where he hit the, hit the ball off the pole and it sounded so different coming off his bat. I mean. I'm way out in right field. I could hear that ball off his bat, and it hits off the flagpole, way at the top of the flagpole. Remember that shot? Right. And and I said, this guy, something, something, fountain of youth. This guy, it's transformation has been remarkable. If he can produce, and I know he's not going to be an everyday guy, but if he can produce, he's a trade ship too. Yeah, he could be somebody's Jason Giambi at the end of the year, yes. so to speak. Exactly. What happened with him? And you, you go back and look at it. I know he took a beating in Cincinnati because, let's face it, I think it was the biggest contract the Reds ever doled out. Then he was hurt the whole time, and he yep. gained a bunch of weight. Usually when your legs hurt, you're not running, yep. so you gain some weight. Then the fans look and they say, well, why did we give all this money to this guy? Um, <clears throat> what I've liked about him is just kind of the way that he's been willing to fit in, willing to um, talk to some of the younger players. I mean – he may look I, I at himself him as a free training too, right? He may be thinking, oh. "Hey, if I just get ready in four months, I can be out of here." I yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a possibility there. Although right now it's just, "Hey, I need a job." You know, yeah, exactly. I mean, right. he had to make a decision because he was still going to get paid the millions from Cincinnati, whether he got one or not. So he came to um, he came to camp, and I remember there were some in the Cincinnati media who were criticizing him because he didn't commit to, "Hey, if I don't make it, I go to Albuquerque." What's the point in that? You're going, you're getting paid anyhow. Give it a shot, and if you're not at that level, then hey, pack it in and go home to your and family. And again, we're we're I mean, we're in the national we're in the new national league where we have DH the, the yeah. DH is is universal, and so come trade deadline time, you, you don't necessarily have to look for a team that needs a needs a you know or a team that's looking for some good third basements, you know, uh, or or same with CJ Crone. You know, first basements are. You know, there are there are a lot of first basemen who, you know, a, a lot of teams who their first base spot is occupied. But, hey, now you can go and, you know, get a get another bat for your DH spot. That goes back to Tolia, doesn't it? Tolia has got to be hot at that yeah. point. Yeah. That's the other thing. Kids have to be the children have to be ready to step in. Right. Yes, they do. I mean, you know, you, you look at Tolia and you and, and you think there's a spot for this guy here. Yes, um, there, there is a spot for this guy here. Yep. But. 
Uh, he was a slow starter. And uh, that, here's something that's really interesting just from talking at the end of spring training to various club officials was um, when he showed up, they weren't very happy with where the swing was, but they're like, okay, let's let him work into it. Then toward the end of the spring training, you started seeing things and they're like, well, you know, we've talked to him and he is a slow starter. And I remember talking to him early in spring. It's hard when you're a young guy, cause you're trying to make a team, but you are who you are. Sometimes it takes a while. He's, he's six, four, six, five long limb guy. Sometimes it, sometimes it takes a while to get yeah, all start that earlier. together. Yeah. Get an earlier start. If you're a slow starter, get an earlier start. That's what I say. Hey, um, we got the home opener coming up tomorrow. I saw a projection, I think, on CBS Sports where a guy said the Rockies were going to go 161 and 101, lose 100 for the first time. But Manny, as Manny's pointed out a couple of times, Coors Field's worth 10 games in a year, pretty much, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't it know. May if the very well be impossible. It may very yeah. well be impossible to either right. win or, or lose 100 right. games at this with, so, with Coors Field uh, as your home we, field. So we got the, the home field advantage. We got a, a bad Nationals team coming in tomorrow, a team that's that has embraced the R word and yet there'll be the same fervor. Can they build up some momentum? I mean, St. Louis comes in right after that with Arenado and Goldschmidt and all that. And those guys are hot. What do we expect from this home opening homestand? Well, traditionally it's been a pretty good homestand. Even when the Cardinals have come in with Arenado, the Rockies have performed pretty well. I, You're, you're right. It is hard to win a hundred, hard to lose a hundred. Yep. I think that, the Rockies, maybe until the end of time, they need to keep that going because yeah. there's there's got to be something unique that. about the franchise. Well, there's yeah, a lot there unique about it, but there's got to be something um, when you when you look at the analytics of what they've done in their history. There's there's got to be something like that. Yep, got to have some claim to fame. They got the opening day uh, record attendance record, and then they'll have that one going forward. Yes. But, um, the Nationals aren't very good. Freeland pitched well in his first start. As you know, he's going to get the opening day start again, and well deserved. Um, it, everything points to a good start, and and it's been weird because a lot of times that home opener has been a, a precursor for the rest of the season. Sometimes not, obviously, but a lot of times it has. You know, come from behind, win, and, and then they go off and have a, have a playoff season, stuff like that. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if the Rockies look really, really good tomorrow, uh, and everybody got real excited. And then now you got to go back to temper that enthusiasm because the National League West, as we know, is going to be a gauntlet. Yeah. Well, here's what I'm going to be looking at throughout that that homestand. I wrote a story very early in spring training that Bud Black planned to give especially key players rest days at home early in the season because they found just the beating of playing all those games at home, especially if you have a long homestand. So a lot of guys are going to get starts. So the question will be if you're just looking at this team here. Um, you know, how much depth is there? We know there's not a lot, but how good is that depth? Then as the season goes on and they start incorporating those young players, what are, you know, how, how are those guys going to fit in? Um, I don't think that they're going to overplay anybody. The, the one guy that I think that they're going to keep going to the well with is Ezekiel Tovar, who yeah. did not start great with the bat, but this guy plays defense and you know it's going to be there and you just have a sense in dealing with him and getting to know him that he can withstand a two for 20 or something like that. So, but you know, yeah, after that, it's how deep is this roster? How many, um, you know, how many guys can you start? And when you do sit key players, can they come off the bench and make a difference later in games? I, I, I think they're on the right track. Jim Tracy did this a lot. He would talk about how, uh, you know, early in the season, he'd give guys off. And then toward the end, you got to crack the whip in August and September to try to get to the playoffs and do the best you can in the Western division of the national league. You know, um, 
the the last two spots in the rotation, particularly. I mean, uh, when Sensatella comes back, it's going to be you know it's it's we'll see what he's got. But um, if he's the Sensatella, the good Sensatella, you know, and um, but Urania and uh, you know, I mean, Gomber Gomber showed some good stuff there, uh, and 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 you know, I remember down in spring training talking to Bud Black about you know what he sees as far as his ceiling because I mean he really was good for a good stretch in that first year that they had him a couple of years right. ago. Um, but it seems like, boy, the pitching, the starting pitching depth is going to be a major, <sighs> major question all the way through the rest well, of the season. Feltner, you know, Feltner, I think again, strikes out the side against the Dodgers and then goes out and, and just Feltner is one of those it. guys. It's yeah. like you, 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 exp- you're almost like you're on the, he's on the cusp, right? You're like, wait, yes, maybe, exactly. this is going to be, this is going to be one of those guys there. We're going to see this breakout performance and we're going to see like a glimpse of what's to come. And then he's just kind of falls flat and it's, it's, so, tease, it's like, right? Well, it's it's just it's not it's he's not inspiring, you know. He's not yeah. inspiring much confidence at this point. Well, I think if you look at Feltner and you look at the earlier part of Jose Urania's career, you're almost talking about the same guy—a guy with good stuff, but can he put it together? And a lot of those guys, they put it together really late. Of course, the Rockies can't wait for those guys to put right. it together really late. But I think what what you're looking at you're going to be looking at rotations like this i believe until some of the younger guys get here i mean the last two drafts they pretty much got gone power hitting early and the rest of the draft has been pitchers or maybe even the first pick like last year gabriel hughes was a pitcher so they understand that there's not enough depth there and i think in spring training if i'm not mistaken in minor league camp or it is either in minor league camp or the total 110 pitchers. I mean, they're attacking this problem with numbers. You know, the more you get, you figure someone the odds are the odds are someone's (laughs) going to stick. Well, I mean, you know, the other thing too is with the pitching depth being thin, uh, you you just you just hope you if you're the Rockies, you're just really banking on nobody being stricken with injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One guy stricken, and you've got issues. I mean, especially if it's one of the key guys at the top of the rotation. that's a great okay. point because we talk a lot about the Gabriel and Thomas. You and I saw Gabriel Hughes pitch his only inning of spring training right. while you were busy showing me all your batting helmets. He brings batting helmets into the press box, by the way, Manny. Just so you know, he had three oh, batting know. helmets or two I batting know. helmets with him in the press box. Oh, well, tomorrow, we I expect Hughes to strike, see more than that. We we saw Hughes strike out three in a row against the Dodgers. His only start, and, and the Dodger people coming up to him, who is this guy? Who is this guy? And I think, um, so we we heard the then oh here comes the the uh, Gabriel Hughes fanfare. When's he getting called up? So we got these young guys at the that just recently drafted, and then we got the guys here. Anybody at Double A? Anybody at tr- I'm Single A, Double A, even Triple A that we haven't heard of that could possibly become a factor if if there's injuries? Because Hughes is a couple years away, as we know. Right. Yeah. And and when you look at say that Double A level, Case Williams, they like him a lot. The guy from right. um, D- Douglas, Douglas County, County High School. Mm-hmm. Um, Right now, it's mostly depth at the AAA level. Um, most, and, and I think um, Noah Davis, could he come into the rotation and be a be a guy? I don't know about a, a – yeah, I don't know about a front-of-the-rotation guy. Um, no, the front-of-the-rotation guys you have to wait a bit on. Now, right. here's what's right. interesting is that in the past, they have really kind of taken these guys step by step. They seem True. just from talking to the pitching people within the organization, not just at this level, but throughout the minors, that if a guy is dominating or he shows that he's ready to move, they're going to move him. Um, that, that I think they experimented that with that a little bit with Ryan Feltner, the fact that he was in Class A, and by the end of that season, he was in the major leagues. Yep. Um, but 
you know, the, some of these power guys, there may be more justification to move them quickly. Yeah. That, um, give us <clears throat> give us an update. Sorry, Mark. Give us an update, Thomas, on Bud Black, because his, um, you know, his San Diego State Aztecs, you know, that was a Ooh. pantomime, you know, performance uh, on, on Monday night uh, where they just you kind of. the thesaurus sitting next to you? Are you really serious? Are you looking up the, a thesaurus to both of you guys with all this? No comment. So, I'm not going to reduce. Wait, I'm not going to reduce San Diego State to a pantomime. They've never been there before. No, no, um, just on I Monday thought, night. In fact, I mean, just that yeah, night. Yeah, I thought. I thought on Monday. I would love to see that game again. I'd love to see a seven-game series between those two teams they and just see swept. if San Diego State would shoot the ball a little bit better. No, that was awful. So how's 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 Buddy? How's he? Is he is he, is he recovered from that? Um. I'm sure that he has. I was not in L.A., but hey, you know, he was oh, okay. during he was during batting practice wearing uh, San Diego yeah. State, you know, tank top over uh, over top of his uniform. I mean, there was a lot of pride. It was interesting in San Diego, in yeah. San Diego especially when in the um, semifinal game, the guy hits the game winning shot yeah. as they're announcing the Rockies lineup on the scoreboard. And it was pre-recorded, <laughs> so it didn't stop. And the place was going nuts i'm sure hilarious montero looked up and said why are they cheering for me <laughs> surely they're cheering for the rockies surely they're cheering for us that's great um the great fans of san diego bud's yeah, gonna he, get tested this year there's no question he's gonna get tested but he's been through this before he uh, if there's anybody to be uh handle rebuild in the situation i think he's the right man well but, buddy buddy is that this he's got the demeanor and yes, the uh, exactly the, the predisposition of uh of a guy who is just he's in a sense he's kind of like Chris Bryant in terms of the the uh, the the makeup and the attitude he's perfect yep. for this team you know it, it's it's just just he's he's the guy to handle these ups and downs and you rarely see him uh, um you know you rarely see him out of his normal uh, yep. form he's very uh, he's very stoic in these times you know what's things. good about that he guys is a, a, when a manager displays that, his team displays that, and you can see why he even keel was successful with successful teams too, because that even keel demeanor means a lot to players. They don't want to see right. the manager losing his cool or getting too excited and jumping up and down when they win. You want to see that even keel approach to okay, what happens with the next pitch, the next batter, the next game. I, I think that's one of his best attributes. We go back to 2017 and 18 when a lot of their rotation were rookies and second year guys and how he got them to the playoffs yep. by you controlling some things. I mean, he, he actually slowed down on the innings. He would send guys down and not have them pitch, just have them work on some things so that it saved their arms for the end of the season. I think that uh, I think that if they ever get back to that point, he's the guy to pull them through it. Um, and, and obviously, he signed on for an extra year, so he knows what's going on. He And I talked to him at the end of last season, and he said he is okay with it. And a lot of times, a younger manager or a manager that has never had success they don't want this job because their record takes on a lot of water right. at that point. Exactly. Or, he did. you know, he had been, and he had been in San Diego where they had some competitive teams and they had some uncompetitive teams right. and he didn't let the ego of the record bother him at that point when he ended up taking the Rockies job. What he did in 17 and 18 with the, with the starting rotation, the young his first rotation, two years here, that's probably the most impressive thing I've ever seen from him. And he's done a, and you know what, given what he's had to work with, he's done a very good job. And so I think, um, you know, that 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 was amazing. That showed that you can get the right get these guys in the right mind frame of mind to pitch well here as young guys who aren't uh, tainted, for lack of a better word, by pitching at sea level for a while and then coming here and yep. then having to deal with it. 
Yep, he, I would yeah, agree with that uh, completely. Absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely right. Uh, and his first two years in a Rockies uniform, that's that's what he did. So I, I was that was quite remarkable. All right, um, Thomas. Last week we we, we had uh, Drew Creaseman on, and we kind of all all three of us were in agreement. Ninety two and or, excuse me, ninety two losses, seventy wins, seventy ninety two on the season. You looking at it that way? Somewhere around there, yes. I mean, I I don't see this thing being you know amazing. I mean, you would have to have everybody do exactly what they're capable of. And no guys having knocks and niggles during the season. I mean, that's just hard to do. And no injuries. Right. The knocks, niggles, injuries. Yes. 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 No, no. Okay. Okay. I, yeah, well, I, I don't have my thesaurus, so I didn't know what's happening, but okay. I got you. Um, we, ambished you, we ambished you, Mark. I'm sorry we did it. We planned this. But you know what? It's beautiful. I mean, the, 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 the verbiage, the, everything that's happening here. Um, on this podcast and the way we played off of it um i i just you know what it just all it was all organic we didn't script it it was beautiful and i'm very very pleased okay with this. We're gonna I, do this I do i saw clint barmas on saturday his high school team beat the daylights out of my high school team on saturday he was an opening day hero for the rockies who's going to be the hero tomorrow thomas okay the weather. well the they, weather it's oh, not going to be snowing fingers fingers crossed on that Hey, l- l- let's l- let's throw it to a young guy. Let's throw it to Ezekiel Tovar. I mean, Ooh, I like you know, it. Let, let's throw it at him and see what happens. I mean, I think that as the season goes along, he's going to come along as a major leaguer, but it would be nice on his first opening day Ooh, to do something I like big. That. I like that call. How about you, Manny? Who's going to be the hero on opening day? Uh, I like that call of, uh, of Ezekiel Tovar, hey. but I'll go with the safer call. I'll, I'll go with Kyle Freeland. I mean, he just he lives up to these things when he's a – he he loves pitching here and big games, and this is an opening day. It's about as big as it gets for the Rockies at this point, and I think he's going to be good. Heroes are often unlikely heroes, right? Usually it's not something you, you thought of. Yeah. That's why Tovar such a good call. I'm going to go off and say it's going to be Mustakas. I think Mustakas has come up, come up with a Jason <laughs> Giambi moment on opening day tomorrow, and he's going to be the hero. But in some way, some way they've got to have something special happen tomorrow. Get this, Ignite this fan base. I heard somebody describe this the other day as um, this is a visitor's town for baseball yeah and, and and then a lot of ways that's accurate right you got a lot of transplants here from other parts of the country who come here and, and root for baseball but they're not necessarily rooting for the rockies the rockies need to get the fan base behind the rockies not just fill up coors field with visiting fans tomorrow would be a nice day to do that and if they can get behind the younger guys and, and if the fans can embrace the rebuild i think then you'll see the front office say okay maybe it's not so bad to utter the r word well, I don't think they're ever going to utter the word they're just going to do it i mean when yeah. when you look at bill schmidt he never uttered the word rebuild, but right. he signed Jerks and Profar to a one-year contract to keep from blocking the guys they're rebuilding with. So right. that's, I think, the way they're going about it here. I, 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 I guess in the modern world, you, you there are two ways to do it. I know the Rockies did it several years ago when they had the Generation R, R. and, yeah. and, and all, all those young guys come through. Part of it was... Um, you know, they, 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 that was the first time they knew they were going through a rebuild. And, and, and I don't know how tank. fans react to that word, rebuild, tank, especially yeah. here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how fans react to it, given the um, success of some of the other teams here, the Broncos and the Avalanche, right. especially. The, the Bronco, what? The Broncos. <clears throat> did you say Broncos and success in the same sentence? Well, okay. Past success okay. of the Broncos. Okay. I mean, like the like like but look at the Broncos with fortunes went down. They didn't say, okay, we're going to rebuild with the young guys. They spent a lot of money on Russell Wilson. It hasn't worked. It didn't work out the first mm-hmm. year. So so I, I don't know that you necessarily need to sing that. I think the Rockies do a good job of um 
of actually attracting other fans with their ticket plans. But but a lot of those guys take off their Cardinal shirts and they have Rocky shirts beneath them if the team is good. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Manny, good looking at your thesaurus. He's trying to come away to close this out. All right. Hey, Thomas, we appreciate it. We know you got a lot of work to do in preparation for tomorrow. Um, We will see you at the ballpark. And stay clean, stay healthy, and don't necessarily have to bring your batting helmets to the game tomorrow. Well, I'll, I'll find you. We'll look at I, it. I, 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 I will send you guys a text with the latest. Okay. Sounds good. Obviously, the latest. Thanks, Tom. There you go. Always the one and only Thomas Harding and his thesaurus uh, off the course field. Manny, you got a closer? And I'm sure yep. it's got a lot of big words in it. Uh, I'll try. Coming up, coming Manny's, out of the bullpen, Manny's like the Rockies bullpen. I'll try. <laughs> Manny's going to close it out right after this. Stay with us. This is Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. We're back right after this. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill. Now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. On this, the 30th anniversary of the first regular season game in the history of the Colorado Rockies, why don't we count down the 10 greatest moments in Rockies history? I say we, but these are my rankings, so I guess you'll just have to put up with them if you disagree. Number 10. Behind six and two-thirds scoreless innings from Kyle Freeland, a shutdown performance by the bullpen, and a clutch go-ahead single up the middle by Tony Wolters in the 13th inning, the Rockies reached the National League Division Series with a 2-1 to win over the Cubs in 13 innings at Wrigley Field. It was the first Division Series appearance for Colorado in nine years. Number 9. Ubaldo Jimenez throws the first and to this day only no-hitter in Rockies history against the Braves in Atlanta on April 17, 2010. The right-hander walked six and struck out seven over 128 pitches. Number eight, Carlos Gonzalez walks off the Chicago Cubs with a three-run homer to complete the cycle on July 31, 2010 at Coors Field. Cargo singled in the first inning, tripled in the third, doubled in the fifth, and smashed an upper-deck home run in the ninth to win it for Colorado. Number seven. Seven years later, Nolan Arenado achieves the same feat at Coors, capping the cycle with a three-run walk-off homer on Father's Day in 2017 against the Giants. Arenado got the hardest leg of the cycle out of the way early, tripling in the first inning. He then singled in the fourth, doubled in the sixth, and belted his unforgettable homer over the left field wall in the ninth. Number six. Larry Walker is elected to the Hall of Fame in 2020, becoming the first Rockies player and the first Canadian-born position player to be inducted at Cooperstown. Number five, the Rockies clinched their first-ever postseason berth in just their third year of existence when they erase an 8-2 deficit to beat the Giants at Coors Field on the final day of the 1995 regular season to win the first NL wildcard spot in history. They were beaten in the National League Division Series by the eventual world champion Braves, but they gave Atlanta all it could handle in a four-game NLDS. Number four, Dante Bichette belts a walk-off homer to beat the Mets in the 14th inning of the first-ever game played at Coors Field on a frigid April night in 1995. It instantly became one of the most iconic scenes in franchise history. Number three, the slide. Did Matt Holliday touch home plate against the Padres in game number 163 to decide the NL wildcard winner in 2007? In the end, it really doesn't matter because he was called safe and the Rockies continued a magical run that would culminate in a World Series appearance. Number two, Eric Young homers in the first home plate appearance by a Colorado Rocky, launching the first pitch he saw from Expo starter Kent Bottenfield over the wall in left center field at Mile High Stadium, sending 80,000 fans who had been waiting for an MLB franchise for decades 
into a frenzy. And, number one, the Rockies win the pennant. On October 15, 2007, Colorado secured its first and to this day only National League pennant when Eric Burns grounded out to shortstop Troy Tulowitzki. When first baseman Todd Helton clutched the throw from Tulo, the Rockies capped an unbelievable run in which they won 21 of 22 games before being swept by the Red Sox in the World Series. 30 years on, no division titles, no World Series titles, but there have been some great moments in the history of the Colorado Rockies. They'll hope to top some of those in the years to come, though it may very well be a few years to come before that happens. Many avoids any of those knocks and niggles for yet another save, closing out another W for the park-adjusted Rockies podcast. Our thanks to the one and only Thomas Harding from MLB.com for his loquacious contributions this week. And as always, thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.